Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Heather Doty, FY21 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by professional engineer Patty Mamola. Patty is the Executive Director of the Nevada Board of Professional Engineers and Land Surveyors. She served as the first female president of the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying, also known as NCEES. NCEES is a nonprofit organization dedicated to advancing professional licensure for engineers and surveyors. Thanks for joining us today, Patty. Thank you for having me, Heather. I'm excited to be here to chat with you today. That's fantastic. So we like to start off early. How did you initially get interested in STEM? What sparked or inspired your interest? Well, for me, I can't say anything sparked or inspired uh, my interest in STEM. In fact, I can't even say I had an interest in STEM, unfortunately. But, uh, but I was guided by fate, and I ended up in um, the engineering field. And actually, it was the best thing that ever happened to me uh, in my life. It's been such a rewarding career. But, uh, but I actually stumbled up, up, upon it, and uh, I'm sure you know, you'll understand why I, I put it that way as we go through this discussion today. Ooh, she's going to leave us in suspense for a little bit, so I'll keep listening in. Um, so how about you walk us through your academic and professional accomplishments? Where did you go to school, and how did your studies influence your career path? Okay. Um, actually, I would say where I lived kind of influenced where I studied, which then influenced my career path. Um, I, I was born and raised in Rapid City, South Dakota. As many of you know, that's uh, close to where Mount Rushmore is. And in my hometown of Rapid City, uh, the only college there is the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. And when I graduated high school, I knew I needed to go to college if I wanted to make a difference in my life. Um, I grew up really poor uh, with a single mom. And um, I knew I didn't want to have a life like that. I wanted a different kind of life. And I knew I had to go to college. So I enrolled at the South Dakota School of Mines, and I was dismayed uh, that the only curriculum they had was engineering. And I was interested in, um, in architecture and art. I had an art scholarship, which is interesting to end up in an engineering school when you have an art scholarship. And, uh, and, and so the closest thing to architecture was civil engineering. And so that's what I enrolled in. And thank God I was good in math. Um, and English, and I had good grades, and I had good SAT scores, and that enabled me to be accepted into that um, university to, to study engineering. That's funny. I actually had an interest in architecture and ended up majoring in civil engineering as well, and I have a music degree on the side, so we have a lot in common, it sounds like. Yes. You know, I can understand why people are starting to promote STEM 
or I mean STEAM instead of STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. You know, I truly believe that we it makes better engineers if they have an art background or some sort of creative music background. And it's funny you say that about music too, because for the longest time I played in the uh, the Rapid City Symphony. I was a I was a celloist. I had played violin and cello my whole life growing up. So so we do have a lot in common there. And, and I will say this too about my my academic education. You know, engineering school was really really a challenge for me. In fact, I really didn't like engineering school at first. Um, I did realize it was my ticket out and, you know, I would have a better life at some point, but um, I actually flunked out my second semester. And then it took me flunking out to realize, you know, I better get my act together if I want a different kind of life. And I went back and, and I applied myself. And that taught me a lot of things about myself. It taught me that um, I could do hard things, which is important. You need to know that you can do hard things. You learn how to work harder and you work smarter because um, you know you have to do the work to get where you want and you have to learn how to succeed in the face of adversity. Um, I do remember after I flunked out that semester, I had a professor that um, came up to me, um, asked me to stay after class. And after class, he said to me, he said, he said, you might want to think about a different degree. I don't think engineering's for you. And uh, in spite of him or maybe despite of him, I did graduate. Maybe I'll show you. Very well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So anyways, and I also learned I always had a choice. I could choose to be a failure and, you know, flunk out of college, out of engineering school, or I could choose to go back and make a success of myself and make a career out of it. Well, that sounds like a a great um, tenacious mindset that I think a lot of folks could benefit from similarly. Um, Because I think everybody has some sort of flunking story, whether it was the entire semester or or just an exam one year. But I don't know a single engineer who didn't have some kind of story of failure to learn from. So I think that's definitely a great nugget there. Yeah, I think you learn a lot more from failure at times than you do from your successes, right? It's like your failures, you learn that, you know, you got to do something different if you want to succeed. Maybe you learn that, you know, it's something you really want to pursue that's important to you. So yeah, you you know, you have choices and you can you can learn from your mistakes and you can grow and you can do things differently. Definitely. So you got through the college part. So then how did your career progress? Well, my career, I actually had an interesting career. My first job out of college was with the South Dakota Department of Transportation. And uh, my specialty in civil engineering was structure. So it was a good fit for me. But when I moved to um, My job was in Pierce, South Dakota, which is in a little town in the middle of nowhere. And I always joke that if if you didn't hunt and you didn't fish, there wasn't much of anything to do there at all. There was only 5,000 people that lived in that little town. But I spent one miserable winter there. Um, Had to shovel the snow to get out of my driveway. I had to shovel the snow to get back in my driveway at night. I said, I'm out of here. I'm done. And I ended up in, in Nevada. And Nevada... I had never been to Nevada, didn't know anything about it, but I had a great opportunity to get hired on what they call the rotational engineering program. And I didn't know that at the time that I got hired, but that's the program they use to groom future leaders for the um, the Department of Transportation. And that career was a great career. I spent 12 years with the DOT and it was marked by a lot of firsts for me. I became what they call the first woman resident engineer. 
um, in the state of Nevada. And a, and a resident engineer is someone who has a crew of about 12 to 20 or 30 people that work for them that um, oversee construction on major state transportation projects. And you have surveyors that work for you, um, construction inspectors, materials testers, and office staff. So you oversee a project and make sure the contractor builds it, a project for plans and specs, and you certify payment, you resolve problems. You know, every project is different. You think fast, you think on your feet because time is money. And it was, it was the most awesome job I ever had working in, in construction. And I think back, I was only 26 or 27 at the time I got that job. Um, so it's, it's, to me, it's like pretty amazing that I was able to do that at, at that time. Um, and then I quickly moved up and became the first woman assistant district engineer um, that the department ever had. And, and then I moved on um, and actually went into the private sector. And I went to work for a big international firm. At the time, they were called PBS and J. Some of you may be familiar with them. But I ran their construction management operations for the West region of the U.S., and then from there, I opened um, my own engineering firm, I had my own firm for about 15 years. And from there, I went on to serve on the board, State Board of Engineers, as a board member. Um, I served for nine years, became the first woman to chair, first woman engineer to chair uh, the Nevada Board of Engineers and Land Surveyors. Um, and then I became the first woman president of NCES um, and the first woman to hold that position in its 100-year history. So a lot of firsts for me in my career. So what are your professional goals as executive director of the Nevada Board of Professional Engineers and Land Surveyors, and also as a, as a female professional engineer? Like, what changes would you like to see happen over the course of your time there? Um, that's a great question. Um, I became the executive director of the Nevada State Board of Professional Engineers and Land Surveyors about um, four or five years ago, um, June of 2016. Um, and I did that when I decided to get out of business for myself. You know, I decided it's time to reduce some stress and maybe enjoy life a little more. Owning your own business is great, but it can be very stressful. And, um, and it was during the Great Recession. Um, and so when I got here, my goals are pretty much the same as when I was president of, of NCES. Um, my focus, I want to focus on diversity. Um, Increasing the number of women and underrepresented groups um, that are in engineering and land surveying. And, I'll, and I can talk a little bit more about that. Um, I do that through the board, but I also do it outside of the board um, through some um, nonprofit organizations. Um, so diversity is, is one for me. Um, increased licensure. Only 20% of engineers that graduate um, universities seek licensure. We can do a better job with that, I believe. That's a low number. Um, and, the, and the primary um, number of those licenses are civil engineering. So we need to do a better job getting mechanicals, electricals, chemicals, computer systems, um, other disciplines licensed. And, and then my third item is to improve public's understanding about what it is engineers do. You know, engineers. Um, do a good job talking to each other about what it is that they do. And, and sometimes that's questionable because when I talk to other engineers about what they do, sometimes I don't quite understand. But we don't do a good job talking to the public is, what it is that we do. 
Um, and a good example of that is in our own families. I mean, does your wife or your kids or, you know, your husband, does your family really understand what it is you do? Do we explain it in simple enough terms um, that they understand what, what we do? And I, and I don't think we do. You know, we talk in technical terms. I, I read this great book um, about engineers and the future of engineering. And, and in that book, um, the reality is, he says in this book, and it's true, engineers talk on the phone, we type on our computers, um, and we, we, we look at drawings, we solve problems. But yet when we describe what it is we do, we describe it in very complex terms. So we need to simplify it and do a better job of communicating to the public what it is we can do. And we can do that by starting with our own families. And I do want to talk about diversity a little bit. Is you know, as a group, we all talk about diversity and, you know, how we can improve the numbers. And I love what Marlene Conga said. Uh, she's a past president of the World Federation of Engineering Organizations. And I heard her speak. I was at a meeting with her at the um, uh, United Nations a few years back. And she said it this way. She said, you know, we're always trying to get more underrepresented groups into the pipeline. She said, but the reality is, is we need to fix the leaky pipe. Because if we're only graduating 20% women in engineering, how is it going to help us to increase those numbers when every year after graduation or every 10 years after graduation, we lose half of those? So by the time you get to my age, where I've been in the business for 30 years, there's only 3 to 5% of us left in the profession. So we need to do something to fix that leaky pipe to get more women and more underrepresented groups to stay within the profession. And, and we all need to do our part in increasing those underrepresented groups. And, and because of that, I'm involved in um, Seroptimus um, in my local community. And Seroptimus is a group similar to Rotary, but Seroptimus is for women, about women, and does um, things in the community to support women and, and girls. And through Seroptimus, I created um, a local, what we call Dream It Be It project. And we adopted an at-risk elementary school, and we do STEM projects, coding, robotics. Uh, we teach them engineering concepts. We talk to them about what they want to do um, in their lives. And we meet with the girls twice a month. And we re realize that if you can change the trajectory of one girl, and this is an elementary school we partner with, because we also realize if you don't um, convince or persuade or encourage elementary school girls um, to consider STEM or talk to them about engineering or technology or sciences, then middle school and high school is too late. You're, you're probably not going to um, encourage them or excite them about those professions. But if we can change the trajectory of one girl in our community, it has a ripple effect. That one girl will go on and do something with her life in the STEM field. But when she has children, um, she'll teach her children the importance of STEM. So it's up to us to make a difference where we can individually instead of waiting for others to do something. Absolutely. I mean, that's fantastic. And I, I love the, the tips that you're giving here for the fact that we need to focus on retention um, in, our, in our existing environments. Um, so you, you mentioned the fact that that pipeline is leaky. What sorts of obstacles have you faced as a woman in engineering and how did you overcome them? Oh my gosh, you know, so many. You know, I remember when I was this 
young 26, 27-year-old, and, and as I mentioned, being the, the first woman resident engineer in, in Nevada, uh, I had a boss uh, once, and it was as if he was out to get me, and he, and he kind of was. I think no one thought I would succeed, and uh, my first performance eval, he wrote me up for not knowing the specifications by memory. And I said, okay, you know, I took that with a grain of salt. And so every time I went to talk to him about what was going on in my project, I took my spec book and I read it to him, write all the spec book. And he never, and, and, you know, but the greatest compliment was four years later when I moved on to take a new position, he actually said to me, he said, I'm sorry to see you go. You're the best resident engineer we have. And that's saying a lot, being their only woman resident engineer to say that I was the best resident engineer that, that they had. And, you know, being a woman in construction, too, and, and often only the, the only woman, I, there was very few women that worked in construction. I think I had one, I had two women that worked for me at the time. And there was only a couple of others that worked um, in, in the Las Vegas area. And, you know, you just had to put your blinders on because there was, a, at that time, considerable attitude about, you know, being a woman in construction. Um, and you just have to have the attitude that, you know, I have this job for a reason, you know, I know my stuff. Um, you can choose not to be a victim and you can just ignore, um, the stuff going around with you or around you and just focus on your job. And, and I always jokingly say, I, I swear I had my blinders on because oftentimes I didn't see the discrimination or, you know, the, the sexist male attitudes around you. I just, you know, I just did my job and I just ignored that stuff. You know, somebody would call you sweetheart or baby. You just ignore it. You, you ignore it. And you move on and, you know, you treat them with respect. And after a while, you know, that they it, it just goes away you know, you earn their respect and, and it goes away. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, working hard, asking questions, learning things as you go, being confident in what you do, and you'll be successful. Great advice. It can be difficult as a, a working individual, woman or otherwise, especially in a leadership role, to find a healthy work-life balance. So what do you do to unwind and disconnect from your professional responsibilities? Um, I think it's important to realize you got to take care of yourself if you're going to be able to take care of others. Um, you have to be aware of stress and look for out outlets for that stress. Have a good support system, you know, physical activities. I I used to be a really big runner, and that was my stress reliever. Um, and I became a member of a, a a running group, so I had friends outside of you know the engineering profession, which I think is always good. Uh, when when your sole friend group is inside engineering, um, it's difficult to eliminate all of the stress that you need to eliminate. It's best to develop a support system outside of of your engineering group. Um, so running marathons and ultimately I, I did triathlons were great stress relievers for me, yoga. Um, so yeah, it's important to take care of yourself and figure out, you know, how do I make time for myself and um, just relieve stress from my life? 
And I think, you know, another important lesson that it took me a while to learn too is, is always remember to be in the moment and try to squeeze whatever good stuff out of that moment that you can possibly get out of it. Yeah. Being in the moment is, is hard if you're always planning ahead or reviewing past mistakes. I think that's great advice. Um, which you've already given a lot of great advice, but let's say if you could give only one piece of advice to current engineers who are looking to move up the leadership ranks, what would that be? Uh, I think that would be the importance of having a, a yes, I can attitude. So yes, I can. You know, often I think we doubt ourselves, um, but if you have a yes, I can attitude, it, you know, you can do so much with that. You, you'll always do your best. Um, and it's important to always do your best because you never know who's watching. You know, you think nobody's watching or nobody's paying attention and you're surprised. You hear about it way later that, wow, they really did notice what I was doing. And, um, and you feel appreciative, appreciative of, of noticing that. So you never know who's watching. So always do your best. And with a yes, I can attitude too, you know, you can ask questions. If you don't know, it's okay to ask questions and then be willing to, to, to learn new things, be willing to do new things. And those experiences, when, when you do those things, create opportunities to do more new things. And, and also, too, with the yes, I can attitude is, is to always remember that you have a choice. You know, we're never a victim. Um, no one's ever out to get us. It's, it's, it's yes, I can. And yes, you have a choice. You can make a choice. At any given moment, you have multiple choices that you can make. That's great. Patty, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and providing some really valuable insight for our current and future engineers and leaders. Thank you very much for having me. I, this has been great fun. I appreciate it. I'm Heather Doty for all of us at SWE. Thanks for listening. 